Welcome to the Zeal Interestings podcast, where we discuss an interesting article or link from the week. I'm your host, Chris White. My co-host for this week is Trevor Yerish. Hello there. Yes, my name is Trevor. Um, How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing really well. How are you doing this Friday? Fantastic. It's Friday. You know, we've had a lot of forest fires lately, um, and the smoke has finally started to lift. It's a good, it's good Friday. It's a good Friday. So the sun doesn't look like it's like dipped in blood any longer? That's right. Yes. Something along those lines. <laughs> Glad to hear that. The article we're talking about this week is an article by Liam Simons. It's a topic that's very close to my heart. And it's titled, The Art of Over-Engineering Your Side Projects. Dun, dun, dun. Never done that before. <laughs> We've included a link to the article in our show notes. So it covers some common mistakes that can limit the impact of your side projects. I don't know if you've ever over-engineered any side pro- projects before on your side, Trevor, have you? Oh, yes. And yeah, this is definitely something that's, uh, I think, near and dear to all of our hearts, right? Um you, you have this idea, there's a problem, you have a, uh, an idea for a solution, you start down the path, and all of these things, you, you end up getting overwhelmed by all of the things that you feel like you should be doing, and eventually they snuff out that momentum you have and that energy you have, and uh, you end up with a skeleton of a project sitting around, and two years later, you see a repo, and you're like, oh man, it just makes you cry a little bit inside. I know. The old repos are like little tombstones that make you sad whenever you see them. They are. That's right. And, and it's like, you know, somebody's like, hey, so what's this thing that's been sitting here? It's like two years old. Um, can we just delete that? And you're like, yes. Yes. We just need, delete that. We can delete that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've had a lot of side projects that have gone that way. It seems like we have so many awesome tools in, in terms of like building technology company, whole technology companies. And we love those tools, but maybe bring those tools in too early when it's just like a single person or a very small team working on a project can uh, almost kill it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that, um, you know, I, I think the one thing that I feel is missing from the article is, well, first of all, the article's great. There's there's so much that's just spot on. Um, you know, it goes through and identifies uh, five common mistakes that people make. And I think that all of the mistakes that are in there basically violate one key principle to side projects. And that key principle is momentum, is your best friend. Yeah. And all of these mistakes are things that kill momentum because they're not... You're, you, you find yourself doing something and overwhelmed by the work of something that's not ultimately contributing to discovering whether your idea works or not. That's true. So momentum is key. It's the thing that you need to gauge and guard and protect the most is keeping that thing, keeping momentum, keeping that energy in your eye on the prize and really working on the project that you set out to work on. I've learned that to be really true. It seems like there's a lot of things that will prevent a project from making any sort of impact, right? Like the projects that actually get out there and are even just like little apps that people use to do silly little things. Even those projects are really hard to get launched. Like it's hard to like get them to a point where you feel comfortable sharing them with other people or being feeling responsible for them. So I would want to 
you know, encourage people to remove any barriers that would cause you to slow down before you get that. Because everything about the lives that we live, the types of work that we do, there, there's tons of things that will slow you down, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe, did you want to sort of go through the article a little bit and pick apart some of the things? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Liam goes into different categories of mistakes that he finds. And the first one he mentions is project management. He talks about how you can really get in the woods of writing user stories, creating backlogs, finding project management tools. I know every side project that I've ever done has a lonely single person Basecamp or Trello or Pivotal Tracker account with a bunch of initial stories and then no activity because it, it all went away eventually. Have you had that experience as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, for, for Liam, the, the gist of this whole section here is don't do it before it's time. Like, don't project manage a non-project. <laughs> right. And I will say that I totally agree and diverge a little bit from Liam on this topic. Okay. Because, again, while I, I totally agree that we should avoid employing our standard practices in their entirety on a project that isn't actually a project yet. I do believe some baseline discovery and outlining is appropriate and needed prior to expand, you know, like expending your precious energy and time building something because it's really easy to build, not the thing that you're trying to build. If you don't, if you haven't clearly set what, what, your priorities for building are. You know, if you think about the problem that you're trying to solve, understand who you're solving for, who the user is. Very primitively, I'm not saying go into user research or anything like that, but just notate who you're using it from. Make sure that you're, you're looking at it from that perspective. Work to identify what the smallest usable thing is or things that you can build to demonstrate the idea and then prioritize those things. If you do that, and again, I'm not talking about full-fledged user stories or anything like that, but just make a couple of bullet points of what the things that you know you need to build are to be able to demonstrate it, the, the, the basic MVP. Sure. I could go off on a whole thing about user stories, right? Uh, that's a whole different <laughs> conversation. Don't do that at this point. Yeah. The whole point of a user story is, is, to, is to clearly communicate with yourself, a team, future team members, what you're, you know, and there might not be ever a team. There might not ever be anybody working on this, but yourself. That's true. So, so there's no need to communicate any of that stuff. It's all in your head, but yeah, just real at a baseline, identify those things. So a project management tool set is built to like get those ideas out of your head and organize them, right? That's right. Maybe just at the very least, you can get it out and uh, make a list. And that list can help you identify like you might have dreams for this project, but what is your MVP list, right? That's right. That's right. It's also key to know when you should introduce more project management tools to the equation. And uh, our approach, my approach, our approach is always to be pragmatic about it. If you're bringing another person other than yourself into the project, then you need to create a little more definition to ensure that the right work's being done. You're not doubling up on efforts and wasting that precious time. And it's also good to set some clear outcomes so that you can clearly identify when you're starting down a rabbit hole or straying off course, right? So if you, if you create those outcomes, those are the things that are your guiding light to avoid making some of these other mistakes. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, let's get in some of those other mistakes. Like my favorite one that I like to do all the time is over-architecting the infrastructure. Of course you do. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. As a developer, you know, I feel responsible for making sure that not only will the first three people be able to access my app, but also 400 or 4,000 or 40,000 people will be able to simultaneously access my app for it to succeed. Am I doing anything wrong? Maybe yes. And um, <laughs> he he was spot on on this. And I think one of the things he doesn't mention, but that I'll mention as an observation, having led teams and, and whatnot, is it is super key. I, I'll, I'll tell this to developers. I tell this to designers. It's super key that when you are looking at the work and the scope of work that you are going to do and spend your energy on, that you do that. You have to you have to assume a new hat, okay? So you have to first wear the product owner hat, and that's the one that's going to be pragmatic about how much you allow your developer self to indulge, <laughs> right? Right. Because if you're a developer making a product, you're going to fall into this trap every time. Right. But if you can put that product owner hat on and say, what do I need? What's the bare minimum I need right now to be successful? And be really honest about that. And I think some of those things are, you know, scaling an app is a phase of the life of a project. Right. And that phase is rarely the phase you start with. And there's a few exceptions. Or a phase that your side project will ever even encounter ever. Ever. Right. Exactly. So, yes, that's one, right? And and this is also, you know, reflecting sort of back to the, the previous section, this, it, it's also why it's key to do some outcome slash goal setting prior to starting in setting the early outcomes you'll know how many users you're trying to get for an alpha or a beta test and that's all you should be worried about scaling for which means that you know like you're going to do things that aren't scalable at first you yeah. might have concierge services that you're doing where you're actually handling phone calls or processing you know like emails or something like that right now because there's 10 people using it <laughs> or like like manually setting up people's accounts or something like that like who needs a user registration form i can just open up my database and plug in three fields and then they have an account right that's right so i guess the key here is plan to scale for what your outcomes are set for and reflecting back to your outcomes set those for sh your short-term outcomes you can have big goals and ideas, grandiose ideas about what your, you know, side project's going to become, you know, it's going to be your main gig someday. That's, that's always, you know, true. But in the short term, set some really short term goals and plan to scale only for those goals. And the word scale is probably even too robust. Too grandiose of a word. That's right. It, it seems like your biggest risk in your side project is that you will impact no people. Yeah. Right. Well, and sometimes that's right though. So, and what I'll say there is that part of why it's so important that you get through this first phase of building your product, your application, is so you can find out and justify if it's a thing. A lot of things are great in your head, and as, as you make them, they don't work. People don't care about it. And so getting there as quickly as possible so you can cancel the project before you waste any more time on it, because it really was just a fun idea, but it's not actually a thing that should be made. 
that's something that's great. So sometimes no one ever using it is great so long as you get there quickly. Figure that out fast, right? Uh, but if no one uses it because you didn't execute, that's that's like, oh, yeah, that's a that, that just means all your time was wasted up to that point. Pretty much. You learn a lot, but it's nice to be able to actually show people things and have an impact. That's that's part of the fun of side projects. That's right. Yeah, and I guess you just mentioned something, learn a lot. A lot of side projects are, you know, developers used to level themselves up in something that they're trying to learn, right? A new language, a new framework, something like that. And be real clear up front that that is one of your goals and outcomes. And if if you are finding yourself spending a lot of time doing project management or doing, you know, working on infrastructure, like don't. You shouldn't even be doing any of that stuff if your primary outcome is to level up. Just build the thing. Work on it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So speaking of leveling up, let's talk about tech stacks. I feel pressure when I start side projects to evaluate the landscape and choose the coolest, hippest tech stack that any hipster ever used. And I wonder why that fear is there. Like, what? why do I necessarily care when I'm doing a side project, how cool people think my tech stack is. It's an interesting psychological thing. I don't know if you've observed that or felt that yourself, Trevor. Yeah. the I think the reason why I've found myself, it's all sort of ego and vanity, unless unless the side project is there for you to level up in something new. Right. That's, a val- that's the only valid reason to do it. But uh, other than that, it's vanity and it comes in a couple of different ways. The way that you just described it is when people look at my project, I want them to know that I'm working in the coolest, newest technologies. Fear that I've come across is I don't want to build, I don't want to waste my time building this in something that is going to be a dinosaur by the time this thing is like live to the world, right? Like I don't want it to be an old technology when it launches. Yeah. But this is the, this is one of the things that kills things before they start, right? Absolutely. If your goal is not leveling up in a new technology, if your goal is actually to take an idea and get it out there, use the thing that you're most comfortable with. Right. Or use something that's less cool, but affects more platforms like a, a native mobile app does it have to be native? Can it be a web app that works good on a phone? If your goal is to somehow get to the point where you're impacting people or selling to customers, shouldn't it be the shouldn't the top priority be actually like creating something that you can ship? Yes, absolutely. Also, you know, having a design background, he mentions Liam mentions, you know, the use of custom or creating custom frameworks, right? Right, right, right. As opposed to use leveraging existing frameworks to get to, you know, to the end goal. And that comes in a lot of forms. Uh, and, you know, there's a, when you're trying to take a vision and get it out there, oftentimes there's a lot of front end frameworks you can leverage. And developers actually don't have a problem leveraging those frameworks because they don't, there's not a lot of ego around what the thing looks like, right? Yep. As a, in a side project, when you either A, have some design background, so you have some desire to make it look a certain way, or B, you are working with a designer on your side project, what can oftentimes happen is a design can come out that makes it so that it, you are actually going to be fighting against that framework more than you're going to be using that framework to try and meet the demands of a design. The advice that I would give is to negotiate with the designer, whether that's yourself or them, 
to see how the design could be adapted to fit within the constraints of the framework um, without destroying the concept or the outcome. But, you know, this is, again, a great example of the importance to have clearly outlined your outcomes of the first iteration. And if you're trying to deliver this thing in five days and you're not going to be able to do that if you can't use this framework, you have to build your own framework, that's a real clear outcome that you can look at and, and negotiate and say, hey, can you help me adapt this? Can we use, you know, that? And then there's another path, which is minimal design or no design, Right. Right, and if you leverage a framework, you can you can do that. And and there's a lot of ideas that I would say that fits for. There's always there's a time and a place to make design an important feature, right? And I and that's probably not when you're trying to find out if you ha- if your idea translates into functional functional functionality. I guess right. Does your idea, does the pixel perfection of your idea, is that what actually will attract your customers or delight people or uh, serve people? Like, is is that the is that your magic sauce? Is that the design exactly matches? A, well, and uh, mock-up? that's another topic. Exactly matching a mockup. I, as a designer in today's world, um, that should never be a concern. You need to set principles and set guiding light, but not necessarily adhere to like pixel perfection, right? And and you know, I guess yeah, I would look at that and I would just say simply that you should be looking at what your outcome is. Your outcome is to deliver something. Work within you know the constraints. Both developer and designer are working within those constraints to try and hit that goal and get something delivered as quickly as possible. So be flexible. Be keep your eye on the prize and 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 get there. Yeah, I would say though that today the thing what we're seeing in 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 application development is a migration to to actually into making uh, design is is a differentiator. Because in all of these, all the software that we use every day, a lot of them have the same functionality. Right. And the thing that actually makes this one more fun to use or better to use or less clunky than this one is the user experience and the design that's attached to it. So we are finding that user experience is massively important and that, and the design associated is huge when it comes to stickiness. So, they are very important, but they should not keep you from delivering. Yep. So, so the takeaway is treat design as an important thing, but don't let it prevent you from delivering. Yes, especially early. Don't let it stifle. Again, nothing should stifle your momentum, yep. including design. I like it. Uh, he also talks about continuous delivery. And I feel like that this could be a, even just a whole category. Like, you know, there's error reporting, continuous delivery. I try to avoid all that stuff when I'm doing a side project. Yeah. And I, again, I feel the same way. I actually mentally did the same thing you did, which was take something like CI and throw it into one big bucket of all of the things that sort of support the technical functionality of your app. And what I would say is it's interesting because many of the projects I've worked on, uh, due to the process that has been put in place, the time and energy cost of setting up CI is literally the press of a few buttons. That's it's true. It's not actually any work that dis- distracts me or pulls me away. It's like going into Circle CI, for instance, and 
my GitHub account's already connected. I can just, boom, press go, and, and now all of a sudden I've got CI live, right? I think the question, that it falls into a more general bucket of, does this thing pull too much time and energy from the initial creation phase and stand to stifle my momentum? And if the answer is ever yes, don't do it right now. Yeah. Don't do it right now. So again, momentum is key. Momentum is key. Momentum's key, energy's key. And this, you know, I guess because contrasting to that, if you're somebody that small wins are what give you momentum and keep you going, then maybe test-driven deliver or t- test-driven development is something you should be doing because when you write a test and you make that test pass and that gives you that little that sensation of success, that little green jolt. Yes. Now, if your tests are getting in your way and you're, they're, you're creating fragile tests and you're having to deal with red builds and all of that, that obviously is stifling momentum. But if writing tests actually keeps you going because you're having these little wins and checking boxes and that's, that's what feels good, then I would say it's the opposite. It's actually creating momentum. So That's true. Yeah. So understand what motivates you. That's right. With, with these things, I think is important. That's huge. Yeah. 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 So let's look at wrapping up. Are you excited about side projects still, Trevor? I love side projects. Yes. I think that, you know, there are, <sighs> there are so many things that we could do and so little time to do them, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's the common problem is I love my side projects, all 13 of them. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I would say that, that w- if there was one thing with side projects that would ensure more success... It's to take your ideas and put them on a list somewhere. Find a home for your side projects that's not the beginning of a repo. And start your list of side projects and work on one at a time and see it through whether you get to a point where you're like, nope, done with this thing, this isn't my thing, or not. Make it a choice and and, and don't have four or five concurrent side projects going at one time. That'll ensure that none of them succeed. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, I'm going to go get to my side project. <laughs> Isn't this your side project, Chris? Uh, uh, this is one of my side projects. In fact, while we've been developing the podcast, something that I've been having to tell myself over and over again is try to avoid things that will take away from the momentum of this. There's so many reasons why like, it's hard to schedule times to record a podcast. Uh, it's difficult to, uh, to organize all the elements, get all the publishing done. Uh, but uh, thanks to the help of awesome people on the team, it's it's worked out pretty well. There's another key you just mentioned: leverage. Um, you know, early on in the in the podcast, you were spending quite a bit of time editing uh, these guys together, and that was a fun side project. It's fun. It's a fun side project. I learned. I learned, and you learned, right? But it, but as your goal moves from learning how to edit something together to producing and getting as many podcasts out there as possible. And the learning is not so much the reward anymore. Now that time, that exorbitant amount of time to go through and edit it together is actually stifling your momentum of keeping the project going. So it's a great point for you to pause and say, okay, my outcome is no longer to learn this thing. My outcome is to have an edited podcast. It's taking a lot of my time, which is keeping me from creating more podcasts so I'm going to leverage that now to somebody else. And we have solved that problem. And now you don't have to spend all your time doing that. You can create more content. Yes. I felt an incredible amount of relief 
uh, and surprise. Like it had not occurred to me that we could ask someone else to edit these podcasts at all. And so uh, thank you. Awesome. Well, and, and in, okay, let's, let's reflect that to our development, right? Anytime you're building anything, there are probably, there's probably a third party service you can leverage early on that will keep you from building a whole piece of your pie, right? Absolutely. Leverage them. There's APIs everywhere. There's services everywhere. Just Google it and use it out of the gates. And as soon as you run into the barrier of, you know, like constraint of that third party service, at that point, make the decision. Is this a constraint that keeps me from, you know, like progressing with my idea? If it's not, deal with it for a while. When it becomes an impasse for your product, then yeah, you might need to replace it either within another third party service or you might last worst case scenario, you have to build something custom. So keep your eye on the prize. Don't let things get in your way. Keep your eye on the prize. That's the, that's right. I think that's an excellent note to wrap up on. So I want to thank everyone for listening today. Yeah, it was great. Really, uh, this is a topic we're really passionate about. <laughs> yeah. If you want even more interestings, uh, sign up for our newsletter at codingzeal.com slash interestings or follow us at Twitter on at codingzeal. All right. Thanks for everybody. And we appreciate you for listening. Have a great one. Yep. Thanks for listening.